Well, we're in the second week of Pray First. And if you're participating in Pray First, which is 21 days of prayer and fasting, um, if you're participating, um, I hope you are. And if you aren't, you can start today. Um, because here's why. Somebody says, well, what in the world? Why do we have to pray and fast? And praying fast is not speaking prayers quickly, like, well, I'm praying fast. That's not what I'm talking about. Fasting is giving up something for the Lord to seek God in an intentional way. And for instance, it says in Proverbs, to the hungry man, anything looks good, but to the satisfied soul, even honey does he loathe. Or does he, he, even honey doesn't even look good to somebody who's full, to somebody who's eaten. Okay? So, but the question is for all of us, for me, for you, for everyone, is this what are you full of? Are you full of God? Are you full of the worries and cares of this world? Are you full of whatever's going on around you? Are you full of CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, whatever it is? Are you full of that? Are you full of ETV and whatever else, other TV or HBO or whatever else that you might watch? Are you full of that or are you full of the Word of God? Because it, it doesn't say that you got to be full of good things to not be hungry. It just says you have to be full. So... Um, this, the scripture that I would, would like to talk about here, and I hope I can find it back, it says, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. I believe it's Matthew 5, 6. I had it in my Bible, and now it's gone. How do you like that? Crazy technology, right? Um, but those that hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. Now, what causes you to not be hungry? Well, if you're hungry and then you eat a Snickers bar, what happens? You're not hungry anymore, right? Because that's what the commercials say. You're not yourself when you're hungry, right? So it takes away your hunger. So if you're, if you're thinking about having a big plate of broccoli, I mean, you imagine it. It's steaming. It's just fresh out of the steamer. It's fresh broccoli, really lightly salted with sea salt. There's no butter. There's no cheese. It's just broccoli in all of its glory steaming in front of you. Now, how come some of you guys are going like this? Why are you doing that? Because you don't think broccoli is great. But you know what? If you haven't eaten for a day and a half and you see a steaming plate of broccoli, you know what you're going to do? You're going to eat it, and you go, oh my gosh, is this good, right? It's what you're going to do. I mean, since we started this, and I've been doing no meat, no sweet, and no bread, broccoli is awesome since I'm not eating all that other stuff because it's about the only thing I can eat, beans and broccoli, okay? Woo-hoo, Okay. But when you don't eat anything, broccoli's awesome. Because to the famished man, anything looks good, right? <clears throat> but it says, hunger and thirst after righteousness. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. And if we're filling up our soul with worldly stuff, 
it spoils our appetite for the kingdom of God stuff. You get where I'm coming from? See, so one of the, proce- one of the part of the process that we're going through with this 21 days is not just cutting down on sweets and losing a little bit of weight and having our blood sugar go down. That's all just nice side effects. But the real purpose is to hunger and thirst after righteousness. It's to hunger and thirst after God's kingdom, to build a hunger for God's kingdom. Because the way you spoil your appetite for God's kingdom is by putting all the world's junk in there. That's how you spoil your appetite for God's kingdom. The same way you spoil your appetite for dinner. How many guys, when you were kids, you'd come home from school, I'd come home from school and have a stack of how many ever Oreos I could fit in my hand. I'd go, and I'd have like five Oreos and a big glass of milk when I got home from school when I was a kid. And, my, and I did that because my mom wasn't home because she was working. If my mom would have been home, I would have got one cookie because she wasn't there. I got five, right? That's how that works. And then dinner would come around and I'd go, I'd eat a little bit and, you know, and she'd say, come on, finish your plate. And I'm like, I'm not hungry. How many cookies did you have after school? Mm, Ten, you know. <laughs> because I'd spoiled my appetite with meaningless, sweet, empty calories, right? And that's what entertainment is to us. It's meaningless, empty calories. It's spiritual calories, if you will, but it spoils our appetite. So part of the 21 days is to not only skip some of the food and some of the stuff, but it's also to press in to God and to press into the word and maybe leave some of the other stuff that we've been doing behind along with some of the food, and really press in. Because the more you press into God's kingdom, the hungrier you get. It's not like regular food. When you eat a, when you eat a big steak, you eat a big T-bone like that, you don't want a T-bone for like at least 24 hours, right? I mean, you're just like, no, no more, not today, okay? But by, you know, two days later, you want one. But if you're really feasting in God's kingdom on God's word, it makes you want more of God's word. See, the more, the Bible says, come taste and see that the Lord, he is good. Taste and see that the Lord, he is good. So as we continue in the 21 days, and you say, well, I haven't started yet. Well, start today then, start tomorrow. Just start saying, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip lunch tomorrow and I'm going to read my Bible for a half hour. That's a great thing to do. Just drink water and read your Bible instead of having lunch. That's awesome. You don't have to have some fancy plan. You can just do that. You don't have to do it every day. You can do it tomorrow and then the day after that or two days later, whatever. My point is do something to pursue God's kingdom in these days. Just do something. And if you haven't um, begun to, your pray first prayer book, I would encourage you to pick one up. They're in the back. But we handed them out last week, and there's a place in the back for your prayer requests. It's funny because, you know, mine's all scribbled up. I've got all this, it's all filled out, and all the things are in there. And I, I showed my assistant, Sarah, I said, I, I want you to see something. On my prayer list is. President Trump, Vice President Pence, Paul Ryan, the Speaker of the House, Mitch McConnell, the, the 
majority leader. I said, I even have Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer on my prayer list. So you know this is God. Okay, I got everybody on there. I got both sides of the aisle. They don't like each other and all that stuff. I said, I'm praying for all of them because you know what? They all need our prayers. Pray for all the ones you agree with. Pray for all the ones you don't agree with. Pray for them all because they all need wisdom because they're our leaders, right? Whether we like it or not, they are our leaders. So we need to pray for all of them. We can't just pray for the ones that we agree with. You got to pray for all of them. And the way we pray is that God will lead them. God will guide them. That any lies that are out there, they'll be exposed and that, that they'll be protected. We don't want bad things to happen to these people. We want them to be blessed. We want them to be safe. We don't want bad things to happen to anybody. So we just pray for them, and we continue to pray for our leaders. The Bible says to pray for your leaders that there may be peace. See, we want to pray for everyone. Those we agree with, those we don't agree with, pray for all of them because um, we want peace in our land. So that's what we want. So that, if you haven't picked up that book, I would just encourage you to pick it up after service and start going through it and write your prayer requests down and uh, continue that because that is a, a, a great place to start. Now, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 13, it says, Jesus says, In this manner pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now last week we talked about our Father. We talked about hallowed be your name. And we talked about your kingdom come. Now so tonight <clears throat> we're starting with your will be done. Your will be done. What does that mean? How can we pray your will be done? It starts with this. His word is his will. So when we, start, when we say your will be done, you might just as well say your word be accomplished or your word be done because God's word and his will are congruent. They're on the same path. They're going the same direction. So the, the way we pray is, may your word manifest in our world today. God, may your word manifest in our world today. God, we want your word to be alive. We want your word to change the circumstances and the things that are around us. It says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we also have to think about how is God's will done in heaven? Let's think about it. Well, in heaven, there's no sickness, right? It says there's no tears. It says every tear will be wiped away. There'll be no sadness. There'll be no death. There'll be no sin or sorrow or any evil of any kind. Nothing evil can stand or stay in God's presence. So in heaven, man, my mom went there a few weeks ago. I am jealous because heaven is an awesome place. Heaven is a place that is our destiny. And if we think about it long enough, we'll end up like the Apostle Paul where he said, 
man, the more I think about it, the more I want to go there. I don't even want to stay here. I'm only staying here for your benefit. If it was up to me, I'd get out of here. That's what the Apostle Paul said. If it was up to me, I'd be gone. But in heaven, <clears throat> in heaven, God's will is accomplished without question. So God's will is for the earth to be like heaven. That's God's will. God's will is for heaven to come down and for glory to fill your soul. It's for God's kingdom and all of heaven and the principles of heaven to operate in the earth, in our world today. For grace and mercy to triumph over judgment in our world, according to James 2.13. See, in our world, we, we live in such a ridiculously judgmental world. You have anybody who's ever paid attention at all to the media, everybody, both sides of the aisle, whether it's, whether it's conservative or liberal or anybody network you want to name, everybody just picks on everybody. It's like pick, 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 pick. It's just, I can't watch any of it because it's all just pick, 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 and it's just arguing and uh, it just drives you crazy. So it's just so judgmental. Somebody mispronounces a word, next thing you know, it's headlines. You know, uh, so somebody else can't remember somebody's name, and it's headlines. You know, everybody judges them, and oh, they're so bad, and this is so bad. See, that's just judgment. But you know what? In, in, in heaven's context, mercy triumphs over judgment. Grace triumphs over judgment. We as God's people, we are not to be like that. We are not to be just nitpicky, picking on everybody. Oh, you made a mistake. You know, to be so, so, so judgmental toward everyone. That's not how we are to be. God's will is for us to be full of mercy, full of grace. Because mercy triumphs over judgment. James 2.13. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So when you think about that, Heaven is a place, there's actually, a, uh, on the Ark of the Covenant, there's the mercy seat. It's where, it's where things were, were, when we went to the mercy seat, you obtained mercy. Okay? We come to the throne of the Father. Why? To obtain grace and mercy. See, when the blind man came to Jesus, he said, Son of David, have mercy on me. So mercy triumphs over judgment. So we want God, your will to be done in our lives today on earth as it is in heaven. So as we pray and you're praying over situations, you pray God's word as it relates to your situation and you say, God, let your word change this situation. Let your word improve this situation. God, let your word transform this situation. Transform me. Change this situation. Change my heart. Change it so that it's more in line with your kingdom and with heaven and your will. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7, it says, Jesus talking to his disciples, he said, Go, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you've received, freely give. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, this is the command 
of Jesus. Now, Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is our king. He is king of the world. He's the king of the universe. That's Jesus. And he said to his disciples, he said, go and preach and say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he gave them a command. And he, he didn't say, go find somebody sick and then ask me and fast for 30 days and decide whether it's my will to heal them and then ask if it's, your, if it's my will again to heal them. No, he just said, go heal the sick. He didn't say anything else. He just said, go heal the sick. Go heal the sick. Now, he also said, go cleanse the lepers. He's telling them to do all these impossible things. We can't heal the sick or cleanse the lepers on our own, right? I mean, none of us can. The doctors can't. You know what? They'll tell you. I can't heal you. I can only, like, prescribe some medication. It'll make you feel a little better. But I can't heal anything. The body heals itself, or you stay where you are. Then he says, raise the dead. He says, cast out demons. That's Jesus' command to his disciples. Do I have any disciples of Jesus in the room tonight? Well, this is a command to us then. And I, I, I'm trying to reconcile this in my brain. He said, you go heal the sick. Well, how can I heal the sick except if you give me the power to do it? Because I can't do it on my own. You can't do it on your own. So it must be that we've got to take this seriously and say this is God's will for the earth that we have the empowerment from on high to be able to heal the sick in Jesus' name. And then when you look at Mark chapter 16, he said, these signs shall follow those that believe in my name. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They shall cast out demons. They shall drink any deadly thing and it will not harm them. Right? That's what he said. It's in the book, Mark 16, 15. So here he's saying, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and cast out devils. Then he says, when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak. Matthew 10, 19 and 20. Is this going up there or isn't it going up there? It's not going up there. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how you should speak. This is Matthew 10, 19 and 20. For it will, I'm going to stop here. For it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. Hmm. Hmm. You ever think about that? He's saying right there, he's saying they're going, he's talking to his disciples right there, and he said, they're going to arrest you. They're going to, um, that's, that's when they deliver you up. That's when they got arrested. It says, do not worry about how or what you should speak. Then this word here, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. Matthew 10, 19 and 20. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit, capital S, Spirit, of your Father who speaks in you. Hmm. What that is, is he's saying, that's my sheep hear my voice, and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. It's also 
a word of knowledge that you will have the words that you're supposed to speak. He will give you the words that you're supposed to speak. When you're in a situation, when, you're in a, when you come upon situations that you might not know what to do, you just need to ask God and say, God, give me the words according to Matthew 10. 19 and 20. Give me the words to say. Holy Spirit, give me the words to say. I'm trying to provoke you into doing things that you've never done before. That when you, when you run across situations and you come across situations, don't back down. Don't back down and shrink back from situations. Instead say, Holy Spirit, show me put the words in my mouth. I don't know what to say. Put the words in my mouth. Help me, because you said that when I was in situations and didn't know what to say, that you'd show me what to shoot. You'd show me what to say. So I ask you to show me what to say. And when you do that, what happens? God gives you the words that you have to say. And what ends up happening is you end up saying things, and you go, "Wow, that was really good." Anybody ever have that happen? Come on, lift a hand if you've ever had where you're in a situation, you don't know what to say, and you, you in, maybe it's just a quiet thing, and you say, under your breath, Holy Spirit, give me the words to say. And you say this answer to this person, and after you're done, you go, dang, I'm good. <laughs> you put your hands back, and you're like, whoo, baby, man, I'm good. Well, newsflash, you ain't that good. It's the Holy Spirit that's in you that's really good and good on you for yielding to him and listening and obeying. So good on you for that, but it wasn't really you. It was the Holy Spirit that spoke through you. But it's, that's the way that he wants us to live because that's his kingdom coming in that situation, right? He said the kingdom's at hand. So do this. When the kingdom is at hand, he wants to get involved. When, when you run into situations that are impossible, he wants his kingdom to become part of your conversation. He wants his kingdom to become part of your, your, your answer to the person that you're with. He wants your kingdom, his kingdom, to be made manifest in our lives and in the lives around us. So he wants his kingdom to come and to affect the world. He wants his will to be done on earth even as, as it is in heaven. When you don't know what to say and you say quietly, doesn't have to be a big deal, you don't announce it, well, I'm gonna hear from God now. No, because they'll just think you're weird and they'll run away, okay? But you quietly sit and you start asking questions and you're humble and you're sweet and you're nice and then you ask questions and you follow the leading of the Lord, and what happens is you end up going places and taking that person to places they probably never would have gone, and they end up getting touched by the Lord because you follow his voice. See, the number one way, I'm just gonna just go one place here. Jesus, when he functioned on the earth, he healed multitudes. He healed 
25 specific individual people besides the people he delivered from demons and besides the multitudes and besides the people he raised from the dead, he healed 25 unique individuals, okay? That's just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and you take all the duplications out and you take the multitudes, you take out the, the, those he raised from the dead and those he delivered from demons and you have 25 specific individuals that Jesus ministered to for healing, okay? 25. And yet, there's seven different ways that he healed those 25 people. There's seven. One, he actually spit on his finger and touched the man's tongue. Can anybody say, ew? I mean, that's like, ew. The guy, I mean, come on. Really, Jesus? Come on. You, but the guy couldn't talk, and the guy was now the guy can talk. I think I'd let him do that if I knew I could talk afterwards. It'd be all right. I'd maybe spit, but it'd be okay. But another time, he spit again, made some mud, and went <clears throat> stuck it in the guy's eyes. Right? There's mud in your eye, right? And the guy, and he says, "So can you go wash yourself off? So can you can you see?" Well, I can see, but the people look like trees. So he did it. So he laid his hands on them then, and then he could see perfectly. Another time, he just laid hands. Many times, he just laid hands on them. One time, he's walking through a crowd, and the woman, without his knowledge, now this is hard to believe because he's Jesus, but without his knowledge, a woman comes up, crawls through the crowd, touches his, touches his, his robe, and the power of God hits her, and she's made well. So one time, he really didn't have much to do with it. Really, I mean, it was there, but it wasn't like an act of his will. It was her faith that reached out and touched him. I mean, not one time, the centurion servant, he, he just said, go your way, your servant's well. He just spoke the word. It wasn't anywhere near the person. He just said, go your way. You're good. He's good. And, it, and he was healed that very, that very hour he was healed. See, the, the only thing I can tell you about all these different situations is there's one common theme. There's one thing, there's really only one way that Jesus did all these healings. One way. Y'all want to know what that one way was? They manifested in seven different ways, but there's really only one way, and that is this. He listened to his father and did whatever his father told him to do. So when when he turned the water into wine, his mother Mary said to, the, said to the people at the feast, you know, when they said, hey, we're out of wine, and, and they said, and Jesus said, what's that got to do with me? And then he, he said, well, we're out of wine. He said, go gather, go gather pots, not a few, and go fill them up with water. And Mary said to the men, and they're like, what, water? What are you talking about? And Mary said to them, whatever he tells you to do, do it. She didn't give a qualification like if it makes sense to you. He, he, she said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. That is the only key to all these healings that Jesus did and the disciples because there was different ways the disciples healed people too. Sometimes it was speaking a word. Sometimes it was laying hands. One time it was Peter's shadow. Another time it was a handkerchief, right? Right? 
But every time, it's the same thing. Whatever the Father tells us to do, do that. So the answer is, my sheep know my voice, the voice of a stranger, they won't follow. That's John 10, 27. So that's the important thing, that you realize, understand, and pursue hearing and discerning the voice of God as it relates to ministering to anybody in any situation. You, you need to hear from the Holy Spirit and say, what is it, Lord? What do I do? What do I say? And believe and understand that he wants to lead you. He wants to talk to you. And whatever he tells you to do, I'm going to tell you what Jesus' mother told everybody. Do it. Just whatever it is, do it. Because that's where the power is. That's where the success is. In my own life, there was, in my case of healing, in 1985, I had a disease called chronic ulcerative colitis. I had multiple bleeding ulcers all throughout my colon. I weighed 140 pounds. This guy weighed 140 pounds. Trust me, it's not pretty. Okay, I look like, you know, a, a prisoner of war, you know, person, like I was uh, in a concentration camp. It was 1985, so 33 years ago. I was 22 years old. I had chronic ulcerative colitis. I was so sick. I didn't know which end was up. I had, at this particular time, I, I had so much blood going on in my digestive tract that it was starting to how do I say this? I was starting to go septic, let's put it that way. It was very, very, very serious. I had 105 fever. I was in horrible shape. It peaked, it, it peaked to 105, then it'd go back to 102. Then it peaked to 105 and go back to 102. But I was in terrible shape. And they were going to hospitalize me if they couldn't get this fever under control. I put the word in my heart for two weeks straight. I acted on the word. I, went to, I came to church. I said, God, what do I have to do? And I just felt in my heart. I'd only been saved three months. So you got to give me some slack here. I'd only gotten saved in February, and this is, this is April. And I went to church, and I wanted Pastor Dwayne to pray for me so bad because it was here at this church. I wanted Pastor Dwayne to pray for me so bad, and Pastor Dwayne had a big line. And then one of the other elders who's since gone to the Lord, his name was Royal Harvey, he said, let my son pray for you. You don't need him. It's Jesus that's the healer. He was kind of a gruff guy, you know. I thought he was gruff anyway. And uh, he was just kind of like, what's the matter with you? You don't need him. Just let my son pray for you. And his son had only been saved a couple months. I'm like, I don't want that guy. He don't know nothing. He just got saved. I don't want him to pray for me. I want the man to pray for me. I want PD to pray for me. And uh, I didn't get PD because PD had a line and Royal kept like, no, man, you go over there. Just knock it off. You're good. You know, he was just, I was like, you're mean. You know, but so it, it, he wasn't mean. He was telling me the truth. I just didn't want to hear it. So I go over and I get Eric, this guy who's now a pastor up in Nuego, he's a good friend of mine. He's my age. And he just lays hands on me. He anoints me with oil, puts a cross on my forehead with some funky smelling oil. Smells like frankincense and myrrh, you know, that stuff that Jesus, you know, all that. So 
that oil that smells funny, puts it on my forehead, and he goes, you're healed in Jesus' name. And I'm like, dude, you can do better than that. And he said, go, go back to your seat. And I'm like, dude, I didn't come here for that. This, this, you're healed? What's that all about, you know? So I, I went back to my seat, and I just felt just as bad. I had a terrible headache. I had terrible pain in my back from, from the infection. I had, it was, I was in bad shape. And I went to my seat just as pain, in just as much pain as I came to church with. And, you know, that could have been the end of the story. But they kept singing, and they kept having worship. And I heard the voice of the Lord say, did Pastor Dwayne die for you? And I said, no, absolutely not. You did, Jesus. Then receive your healing. And I said, oh, yeah, okay. And I said, I receive it, Lord. I believe I was, I had, I was anointed with oil, according to James chapter 5. I believe I received my healing, and I just receive it now, and I just rejoice. And I thanked, started thanking God that I received it, even though my head still was pounding. I couldn't hardly see because I had, I had to put my hands over my eyes because it hurt so bad with the light. And then after service, I said to my sister, because I couldn't even drive at the time, I said to my sister, I said, let's go out to eat. And she goes, out to eat? You need to go home or the hospital. I'm going, no, I, let's go out to eat. So we went out to eat. And I was sitting in the restaurant like this because I couldn't, I couldn't see the light. It hurt my eyes. And I ordered a club croissant and a chocolate shake. That would have put me in the hospital or killed me, one of the two, because it, it was just, my system was so messed up. And I ordered that food. Now, I wouldn't recommend that for other people. I was... I was actually young and foolish, but God's grace was enough to, over, to uh, cover me. So bottom line is I order this food while we're waiting. And as I, the food comes and I bow my head to pray over the food, and I just thanked God that I was well. I thanked God I was healed. And uh, when I opened my eyes, all my pain was gone. I had literally, I went and confirmed it uh, four days later. I had a brand new colon. I never bled again. I never bled again. But see, the kingdom of God had to come. Someone had to be faithful. Someone had to make an application. I had to hear the voice of God. I had to obey it. See, other, there was a whole bunch of things that had to happen. Now, I'm going to take two more minutes and tell you the rest of the story. So I got completely healed. I mean, the doctor, Dr. Dolzman, Washington Square, Washington Square Gastroenterology in Holland, on Washington, in Washington Square, um, they were my doctors, and they said, we have no explanation. You had all these, all these um, ulcers, bleeding ulcers in your colon a week ago, and now they're all gone, and there's no scar tissue. We have no explanation. And I said, I have an explanation. His name is Jesus. And he does things that nobody else can do. And then, fast forward five months. I'm on fire for God. I'm witnessing to people. I'm just having a ball. Man, I'm healed. I'm well. I'm doing, I'm in church here. I'm doing whatever. And I'm witnessing to this one guy that he and I used to do all kinds of stupid stuff together because he was one of my best friends. And I'm witnessing to him, telling him, you don't have to party. You don't have to do this stuff. Let's, let's, you know, he was going to go party and after one of our softball games. And I said, nah, you don't have to go. Come with me. I want to talk to you about the Lord. He goes, I don't want to hear about that. 
I want to go party. I said, I, just come on, come with me, come with me. And I, was re- I almost had him coming with me and not going out and partying. And he goes, nah, I'm going to go. So he left, and I went home. And that night, he fell asleep at the wheel, and he was killed. And what happened is I, because I didn't really, I was a young Christian. I didn't know any better. I thought I hadn't done a good enough job. And so grief got on me, and an evil spirit came on me, like in the form of grief and shame And all the symptoms that I had five months earlier came back. I started bleeding internally. I got a fever. It was, I mean, in in like two days, I was in horrible, horrible shape. I started just bleeding profusely in my internal organs. And everything went to Hades in a handbasket in my body in a matter of days. Like two days, everything went sideways. And I was like, I'm going, what in the world is going on? I was, I mean, I had received a creative miracle. I had received all this incredible, it was like amazing. And now I'm in worse shape than I was before. And I didn't know what to do because I was a very young Christian. I'd only been saved for seven or eight months at that time. And then I went to my home group because I was in a home group. So if you don't have a group of friends that you can go to when all hell's breaking loose, you need one. Okay? So I went to my home group. Even though I was sick, I went to my home group. And I said, man, this is what's going on. And the whole meeting was centered around me because I was in bad shape. And what ended up happening is they ended up praying over me. And they, they, the, the group just prayed over me. And one of the guys, one of the older guys in the group, he said, did something really tragic? Because I hadn't told him what had happened. I didn't tell anybody what was going on um, except for my symptoms. And he goes, what happened, that, that, what happened tragic in your life this week? So I told him what was going on and how I should have done a better job and why couldn't I have got that guy saved and now he's dead and is he even in heaven and it's my fault and Oh, you know, I was all beat up, and, and, all, and that was the open door. The enemy just came and pounced on me. And so he said, there's a, there's a spirit of death on you that, that, that you've allowed to come on you. And this guy starts prophesying to me. And he says, there's a spirit of death that's on you right now. And it's because you've allowed it, because you're taking responsibility for something that you have no business. And he says, you need to repent right now. So I, I said, okay, tell me what to say. You know, so he led me through a prayer of repentance. And then the rest of them, we, they took authority and we took authority over the devil. And they sent me home. And I started to feel a little better that night. I slept. I got up the next day. I went to work. I felt quite a bit better, but not great. That night, I had a friend of mine come over and say, come on, we're going, we're going downtown. We're going to go witnessing. And I... And I said, oh, and he goes, you healed or not? And I'm like, man, you're rough on me. I said, I'm healed. He said, then let's go. So we went downtown and we led three kids to the Lord. And I got back home. I went to bed. I woke up the next morning. And you know what happened? I was completely well. I've never had blood. I've never had that situation. 33 years later, I have never had another symptom like that again in my life. Because you know, sometimes when the symptoms come back and they're worse and it doesn't make any sense, it's, it's a supernatural thing, but it's a negative, it's a 
demonic supernatural thing, and it has to be dealt with differently. You notice there was two different ways that, that I handled the same, the same symptoms. The first time it was, I got the word in, I got the word in, I went to church, I, I got anointed with oil, and the prayer of faith saved the sick, I acted on it. The second time was, we had to deal with the devil. Because the second time wasn't a sickness, it was a demonic attack. So that's why it's so important. We have to hear the voice of God for every situation because not everyone is the same. There is no cookie cutter. That's why Jesus interacted with people so differently, so uniquely with every single one because every single person is different and every single situation requires a different a different solution. So you don't have to think them all up. You don't have to be smart. You just have to be, have your ears on and listen. That's all. So that's part of your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So today, as, we, as we're concluding here, as we wrap this up, let's, let's just have a closing word of prayer. And I feel like there's a couple of you that that need prayer, and if, you, if you're in that group, I want you to come. I know there's a few of you that need prayer. I want you to, at, right after we're done here, I want you to come forward, and we're going to lay hands on you, and we're going to listen and hear the voice of God, and we're going to do whatever he tells us to do for your situation. Uh, Pastor Merle's here, Pastor Ryan, Pastor Josh, we're all here, and we're going to be here to minister to you. So we're going to finish up, and we're going to dismiss, and if you want prayer, um, just come on down as soon as we dismiss. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. God, we thank you that we hear your voice, the voice of a stranger we will not follow. We thank you, Lord, that you lead us, that you want to speak to us, that you want to, to heal, that you want to deliver. It's your will that we heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse the leper cast out the devil, deliver the oppressed. Father, we know that's your will. So Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We thank you, Father, that we hear your voice and that we act on your voice. And that, Father, you confirm your word with signs following. Today, if anyone in this room, if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, and you say, well, you're talking about hearing the voice of God. What in the world? I don't even know what that's like. If you say, I've, if, if there's anyone here and you say, I've never made Jesus Lord of my life, I've never done it. I don't, know what, I don't know what you're talking about. I would say to you, Jesus loves you. He died for you, and he has a great plan for your life. And he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be your leader. He wants to guide you, and he wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit so that you can always hear his voice and that he can, he can lead you and guide you in a close, intimate way. So if, you've, if, you want, if you want to make Jesus Lord of your life and you want to receive that, I want you to lift your hand. We're going to pray for you right now, if that's you. You want that, honey? Is that you? Okay, already saved. It's all right. Gee, it's all good. Okay. Well, Father, we thank you that today you speak to us and that we hear your voice and that we act on it. That, Father, that we have peace and that your word brings peace in our situation. That when there's a storm, Jesus, you just say, peace, be still, and there's calm. 
So Father, I thank you. Thank you for the word. Thank you that your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.